This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Eric Branson. How's it going? Oh, it's going. And, uh, yeah, summer is busy. <laughs> That's it is. what is. Yeah. It's like... we, uh, I think we were putting our calendar together the other day, just like, you know, old people do, and uh, <laughs> figured yep. uh, we have, like, one weekend that's not spoken for before school starts left yeah so it's like well that's fun so and it's so we're purposely leaving that weekend like wide open so it's funny as you get older right like we both experience this where in your 20s when you have no responsibilities somebody could just be like oh hey we're throwing a party tonight you're like all right we'll be there and then as you get older you need more and more time to prepare and plan for yeah. these things like you're talking about like yeah i Hanging out, we we had dinner with a couple a uh, week or so ago, and that one we planned back in March. Yep, and had to move yeah, the dates the a few goes. times, and yeah, that's just kind of how, you know. And it's not like oh, because I'm just so popular. It's ah, I got all this other shit I got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know most of the times we get together with people, or you know, it's it's planned months in advance at this point. So I think when you're Especially you get older, and it's it's not only like your career and like the you know your your significant other, but then you throw in some kids and some pets, and like and then then you know as your kids start to get older, they start to have their own shit to do. Yeah. So it's like then you have to do you know have to worry about what they have going on, and like we're only get on the tip of the iceberg of that. I don't really need to explain it to you, I'm sure. So. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely it's like, getting there. And <laughs> well, we have one that's trying to get out of the house and one that's staying in for a while. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's been and, and my yeah, my daughter's 12. So this summer, you know, all of her friends, it, 12 is a hard age in a town of this size. And just nowadays, because kids don't just ride up and down the street on their bikes. And I'm not saying that like right. well, you know, back in my day, it's just different times. And so they text a lot and they FaceTime a lot, but they're just sitting in their rooms. They're doing all sorts of stuff at home but they're not doing stuff physically around each other and i'm sure covid hasn't helped that so it's they're at that age where they they're really wanting to be around each other and they can't and so there are days when she's like two o'clock and can we just go to walmart i just need to get out of the house i'm like i get it (laughs) you know they're they're experiencing what i did at different times in my life but they're experiencing it a lot earlier right yep i mean I, i can remember feeling that way maybe not quite that well, and we also grew up in kind of a different situation, um, you know, tiny town. Right. Like, essentially, I could get on my bicycle and ride anywhere in town. I think what I had, I had a rule until I was like 10 or so that I couldn't cross Main Street. I had to stay at like the west side of yeah. Main Street, like our side of town, this, you know, town, which is not big. You, you could ride that entire <laughs> part of town in 30 minutes. 
oh yeah you know if, if, every you know, if even yeah <laughs> and you could probably ride the almost the entire town in 30 minutes but, but when i go back to visit family and stuff i still see kids you know yeah all over the place yeah. on their bikes and i think in a town of this size i don't see it as much you know it's right. not yeah. it's it's not the roving band of kids and it's it's almost like our hometown right. is a little bit stuck in the 80s in, in some right. ways. I see a little bit of that here. Like, definitely not when we were living in the city. Mm-hmm. That was not something you would see much of. Um, roving bands of kids were, you know, something you wanted to avoid. Right. So. <laughs> but um, I do see a little bit of it here. It's a, it's a small enough community that I, I... And especially, like, in the subdivisions and stuff, like, you'll see a group of kids riding around on their bicycles yeah. kind of to the park and, yeah. Causing trouble. Getting into mischief yeah. and stuff. And, and, and I think... Yeah. What's also not helping is shows like Stranger Things are <laughs> making my daughter like, oh my god, I just I want to go with my group. I want to get just I'm like, yeah, but you're watching. Look what look at shit they're getting into. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, you know. Do you is that where I mean, you want to go? Essentially, we were those kids, right? We just never actually got into some. You know. Yeah, I did the the math on it. When that show takes place, I would have been at least in the current season. I would have been like five years old. Yeah. So, okay. So we were we were younger. We than were a lot younger. Yeah. So, I don't know. By the time the next season comes out, maybe they'll yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be able to see ourselves right. in some of the other characters a little bit more. <laughs> um, you know, by the time that that season comes out, there everybody's going to be like in walkers. But yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, we did. Uh, as I mentioned uh, to you before we recorded, yeah, we did finish the the current season, and so that's been uh, a pretty big presence in our house lately so yeah it's all like everybody's talking about and i <laughs> i'm so far behind i haven't i've yet to see season three which is not new by any standards yeah. so it's uh i gotta get back into it but yeah that was pre-crisis yeah 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 pre-everything so but uh i have no segue into tonight's movie <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about small town, big city. I was going to try to make some reference to stealing cars, but hey, it didn't happen. Yeah, so. I just <laughs> couldn't. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, if you clicked on the episode, you know that tonight we are going to be... <laughs> sorry, this is the worst segue ever. Uh, we're going to be discussing... Oh, okay, 1984. There's our connection. It takes place... It was made... There you Stranger go. Things takes place. Who fucking cares? Okay. <laughs> Um, we're going to be watching the 1984 American science fiction black comedy film, Repo Man. Meet Otto. He's a clean-cut kid in a dirty business. He repossesses cars. He's a Repo Man. You're going to give me my car back or do I got to go to your house and shove your dog's head down the toilet? His mission is to repossess a 64 Chevy, but hidden within its trunk. What you got in the trunk? You don't want to look in there. Is the most important discovery in the history of our planet. Repo Man. It's a mystery. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. Out of the blue, no explanation. It's a comedy. What are you doing? Don't do that! It's a chase. It's the forces of law. Marlene, I'm on my coffee break. Against the representatives of discontented youth. Against the finest minds in government. I had a lobotomy in the end. Lobotomy? Isn't that for loonies? 
Not at all. And they're all in pursuit of a 64 Chevy Malibu from who knows where. Blam! Eyes melt, skin explodes, everybody dead. Repo Man. The story of the ultimate repossession. Repo Man. Not just a job, it's an adventure. So this one directed by Alex Cox. Um, uh, stars Harry Dean Stanton and Emilio Estevez, Olivia Barish, and Tracy Walter. Uh, I'll give you a brief synopsis. After being fired from his job, Los Angeles slacker and punk rocker Otto, played by Estevez, lands a gig working for an eccentric repossession agent named Bud, played by Stanton. At first, Otto is reluctant to work as a repo man, but he grows to love the fast-paced job. After learning of a Chevy Malibu that has been given a $20,000 price tag, Otto embarks on a quest to find the car with the beautiful Layla, played by Bash, who claims the trunk's contents are otherworldly. Yeah, I guess if you had to summarize Repo Man. Yeah. If you had to put it. it in one paragraph, that's it. They did a pretty good job. Yeah. But yeah. It's it, it it right away there's comparisons, at least to me, to and I've already mentioned this to you, Buckaroo Bonsai. Yes, I could see that. Uh they definitely have a certain kind of oddball charm that is unique to both of the movies. I wouldn't say they like the, the the sense of humor is a little different. Like I, I still think Buckaroo Banzai is a little more quirky, and this is a little more. Um, I, I don't know even what what I would call this, but th- they're they're unique to themselves, but they definitely share that kind of oddball sense sensibility. Like a, something like you, you never see, you're never gonna see a movie like this again. And if you do, you're just gonna be like, well, that's just a copy of Repo Man, right? So it's like, yeah. Uh, right. But. Yeah, you're not gonna get there. And and these two movies also uh, were released like five months apart. So yes. Repo Man yeah, came out a little bit earlier. Um, but this, yeah, this one was. Uh, this has a big cult following. Um, mm-hmm. Had you seen this it's, one before? I had never seen this one before. This is another one on kind of my like cult classics wall of shame that has always been uh, one that I've been interested in seeing. And now this is a first watch for me. So. Yeah, same here. Um, one I'd heard about, I think I also, I'd heard about it, but I've heard about it in the same sense of Repo, the genetic opera. So yes. when somebody... Well, like, that, and then there was that like um, 2010s Jude Law movie, Repo Men, that yeah. often I think gets confused with this for some reason, but I mean, not, not by people that, you know saw this in the 80s yeah yeah, i i think the 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 confusion i was used to get is i i heard of this movie repo man and that it was like a sci-fi film and then i saw the cover of repo the genetic opera which is like this crazy looking doctor like suit and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. that must be it and i kept getting them confused it wasn't until years later i learned that they were two totally separate things Um, yes yeah but this is a strange movie it's a very strange movie, it, in in one of those kind of all in all the best ways. But yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly strange movie. It's also a very funny movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it, as I mentioned in the description, black comedy. But, um, it, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's because well, certainly it's because of the music that that Alex Cox used and Alex Cox's interest in in 
punk music and he goes on his follow-up film is the Sid and Nancy biopic mm-hmm. um, but he's it's it's often listed in um, lists of movies that are kind of you know punk rock movies that came out in the 80s right um, this and suburbia and Sid and Nancy and um, a few others but essentially this character I mean I suppose his main character Otto kind of comes out of the you know punk rock scene um but that that and the music that's used in it are about really the only things that I would say are are technically punk about this movie or that are about the music itself uh but I think it keeps a punk rock sensibility to it um uh, which is I don't know maybe it's just the you know, kind of the gritty um low budget filmmaking or the film style that Alex Cox has as a debut feature of his um the only reason this thing got picked up by universe or was it universal um gosh i'm getting my facts all mixed up now but anyway i was what i was trying to get to is that um michael nesmith who mm-hmm. recently passed away from the monkeys actually uh was a producer on the film and he got the get when he got involved with the project it became a high enough profile thing to get national distribution the backing of the studio so yeah i had, um, i had read and maybe you can help explain this because i'm definitely ignorant to it but that he had what was it um what kind of rights to this was it something like negative uh yeah maybe he had the um are you talking about like after yeah maybe that's what it was after the fact um he served according to wikipedia he served as a uh executive producer on the project and secured um a negative pickup deal that's what it was universal pictures which probably is just a legalese term of you know how how they acquired the film or what role they would play in distributing it but i'm not sure yeah yeah i wasn't sure what that term meant but um yeah there's there there is some really odd satirical comedy in this one of the things i noticed right away is is the the absence of any form of brands Everything yeah, is yeah, just, the, you know, <laughs> generic labels. Because this definitely takes place in some version of the future, maybe an alternate 1980s almost. Like, it's, uh, there's definitely some futuristic, uh, almost dystopian type qualities to the society that's depicted here. Uh-huh. Even though it's very, still very similar to the 1980s, I think maybe that's what, I, what I'm kind of trying to tap into when I say it's got kind of a punk rock feeling to the film is because the world is a little more i don't know savage and um and it's definitely not contemporary 1984 there's this is either yeah. a a near near to near future that's somewhat dystopian or some kind of an alternate you know california in the 80s but yeah definitely um and yeah the the, the description again the wikipedia they talk about it being a satire of America during the Reagan administration, consumerism, again, with the, the generic stuff, and then also yeah. the atomic age, which is also a very strong theme in this one. Televangelism as yep. well, lot, lots of, uh, yeah. So, but uh, And that was definitely an 80s thing as well. <laughs> so, I don't know, I mean, I almost want to kind of bullet point through this one, which we sometimes yeah, do. Yeah, sure. Because... Yep. <clears throat> It's a strange movie, and there were parts that I don't think I fully got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think there are parts of this I'm not sure you'll ever 
are going to fully get, but yeah. Yeah. So it opens up with this this 64 Malibu that is is featured throughout the movie. Uh, it's driving through the desert, cop pulls it over, cop goes to open the trunk, and this big blast of light, which was probably the briefcase from Pulp Fiction, just blasts yeah, them out. And instantly reminded them. me of, and being, you know, Quentin Tarantino being who he is, I'm sure it, you know, yeah. this has so, something to do with that. But, yeah. So. And then the car peels away, and it reveals it's all, all that's left are the, the policeman's smoldering boots still upright. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's how this opens, and it's it's definitely like okay, is, are they going for serious or not? <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to tell. I thought in that scene, I wasn't fully on board with is this satire or is this intentional? But it's just bad because it, when you watch a film that was made in 1984, obviously they're usually pretty dated, and so the comedy styles are dated and the effects are dated. So sometimes um, satire is hard to pick up on right away. Right. Uh, once you start seeing the generic branding and some of the dialogue in this, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, get it. But right, right. away, it's confusing. I, I do like that they had an opening scene like that because otherwise I feel like it would, if you got into the characters, you got into following Otto and you meet up with uh, um, Harry Dean Stanton's character, Bud. Bud, yeah. Uh, and got them into the situation where he's kind of training Otto and he's becoming this repo man and everything that kind of happens in the first act. And you hadn't seen that happen in the beginning. I'm not sure when they reintroduce the kind of science fiction-y elements towards the middle of the film that it wouldn't be really jarring. So I think it's a good place to start yeah. us off. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we're introduced to Otto and... I kept saying he's fired from his job in the supermarket. He kind of quits. Yeah, I think he just says so. Kind of he literally fight. does. He like you know middle yeah. finger in the air. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's I. Estevez does a good job playing like mid eighties punk rocker. He's yeah, really he does. Down. He actually has this kind of like I don't know broody. Um, teen thing that actually reminds me more of his father than Charlie Sheen ever has. Like, I think he's yep. got this kind of Martin Sheen-esque especially young Martin Sheen, I'm thinking Apocalypse Now and like yeah. you know, um, that era of stuff, but they're I also think he looks a little more like him than Charlie does, but... So. Yeah, I always thought that too. Um, but yeah, he's he's, he's 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 good at what he's doing here, and he and obviously in some of the Brat Pack movies and stuff, he was, he's always good with yeah. roles like that as well. Um but yeah, he, he meets Bud, Harry Dean Stanton, and he kind of suckers him into helping him repossess a car. And you're introduced to the other repo crew. And uh, that's kind of a fun scene in the very beginning, too. Mm-hmm. Or, well, I shouldn't say very beginning, but within the in the first act. Um, but you also meet Bud's parents. <laughs> Just these burned out hippies. <laughs> But Watching. who have, you know, just just given away his entire college savings to a televangelist. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and they thought he would be happy, of course, because this means he was saved and all of this, this stuff. So, yeah. So as he comes as he comes home and, you know, eats eats cereal out of a box that's just labeled cereal and, uh, you know, yeah, et cetera. All of the. Yeah. The, the, the no branding. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, and then, yeah, you're right. Then there's that middle 
part where they're kind of he's you're seeing he's getting better at this and he's starting to enjoy it. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going through his training, and then he meets um, Leela. Is it Layla? Layla. Yeah, Layla. Yeah, and she's I don't want to say conspiracy theorist because she's not theorizing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that there's this Chevy Malibu and there's supposedly alien bodies of aliens in the trunk. Are they bodies yep. or are they alive? They're bodies, right? Well, one of the stories we get, and this is the thing about the stuff in the trunk, and I think this is why also the, the Pulp Fiction briefcase is kind of based on this idea, because you get three or so different eyewitness, or not eyewitness, but different um, stories of what this is, what this is all about. But yeah, her her, her take on it is that they are the bodies of, mm-hmm. the, essentially the Area 51 aliens, I think is what we're yeah led to believe so they've uh come in from out west later you'll get an explanation that it's some kind of a nuclear weapon uh neutron bomb type situation so they're gonna change they swap that narrative on you but i don't know if you necessarily have reason to believe that one is right and one is wrong necessarily you're never really given that yeah yeah and so yeah and like let's see so i'm trying to remember who tells who tells him what or yeah, Layla's definitely the one that spills the beans on the alien The alien stuff. one, like, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. And she's working with a group or a couple of people. Um, gosh, I'm not going to remember any names. I don't even remember. Um, the the agent with the met, the weird metal hand, if it's metal, I don't know if it's really metal, mm-hmm. but <laughs> like yeah. she, the, who's obviously running some kind of a black ops type men in black type unit that's investigating yeah. this stuff. So I don't know if they're, lo- they're, they're government maybe I get the impression that's kind of what they were supposed to be, but she's, uh, um, it's agent Rogers with a Z by the way, Rogers with a Z okay. at the end. Um, is that's I right. believe the character played by Susan Barnes in the movie. Um, yeah. So, so Layla's kind of, in with them in some in some manner and they're tracking this car right and i believe that they are the people if i understand it correctly (laughs) this is one that's going to require multiple watches uh i believe they're the ones that have kind of started getting the word out on the street that this thing has a twenty thousand dollar bounty on this car because they're going to use that to try and i don't think they have any intention of paying it but they're going to you know get the Mm -hmm. car back that way so that's how I understand it. It's not developed really. They're just kind of the you know the men in black type characters here yeah. that are chasing down chasing down whatever's in the trunk of this thing. They're they're on his tail. Whoever the guy I forget what the guy's name is that's driving the thing with the Parnell. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. J. It's... Frank Parnell. Yeah. And yeah, at the end, you never really truly get it but the car is suddenly grow- glowing bright green and mm-hmm. Miller who's the, the kind of crazy mechanic at the not the at the repo place um yep who thinks aliens exist uh he gets yeah, in he al- and he also doesn't drive he makes a comment a couple of times that yeah he's an auto mechanic who doesn't drive a car so <laughs> but he gets into this one and yep. Otto gets in with him, and they fly away into space. <laughs> it's really fucking weird. Yeah. It's got like a grease ending. 
Yeah, kind of. (laughs) But they do Um, the little, like, they zip around the city a little, and, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know. Yeah, this one was. Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre ending, uh, in, not in a bad way, it's, it definitely just kind of, I, I actually kind of like in this movie that you don't really get a big explanation of what's going on, you know, what happened to the car necessarily. Because it could be any of the things that were, any of the explanations that were given could potentially yeah. have caused what we see to happen. Um, it's kind of about the journey of, you know, getting getting to that place and, and as Otto becomes more and more wrapped up in kind of this bizarre. Yeah. Um, which, which, I, which I think is a really intelligently written, um, you know, kind of, send up of, of 80s paranoia you know yeah so, but, um yeah and there's some interesting stuff in like the middle act as well as he's doing his repo man stuff and there's uh you know the what are they the rodriguez brothers or the other mm-hmm. like kind of yeah they're kind of have a showdown with um those guys it's kind of I don't know. You, you get to meet kind of the colorful characters in the repo crew, and I don't know. There's uh, it's it, it similar to I'm, I'm interested that you brought up Buckaroo Banzai because I feel like the same way that I feel when I watch that movie, there are a lot of interesting characters here that you would you could easily develop more and make interesting, you know, and, and yeah. more interesting <laughs> content around. So, um. Bud's a great character. I think we should talk about Harry Dean Stanton in this movie. Uh, yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's just one of those. He's an actor I always like seeing. He always, he's a good character actor. Um, yeah. Or was. I think he just passed away a few years ago. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he, he did pass away. I'm trying to remember when it was. I do 2017. remember reading about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. Yeah, and he was God. He was in everything. Um, yeah, yeah. His filmography is crazy. Yeah, um, the 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 introduction to to Bud was fun. You know, he's he's asking him to drive this car because his wife's on his way to the hospital and she's gonna have twins, and it's total bullshit. Yep. And the reveal on that too is, what about your wife? Ah, she's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like she could take the bus or something like yeah. that. But, yeah, I think it's literally that. He's like, ah, yeah, she she'll. She's tough. She could take the bus. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, he basically dupe, dupes Otto into doing the first repo for him. And yeah. Otto does not take a real uh, shine to that. He's uh, pour, pours out a beer and tells him all the fuck off and yeah, you know, tries tries to leave, but that ends up being drawn back into into uh, being a repo man. Didn't. Didn't we know somebody who was a repo man for a while? Yeah, I think I had a friend of mine was uh, doing repo for a short period of time, and I think it got scary and he quit. But <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a job that would be terrifying. I wouldn't want to do it, but yeah. Um, well, I know that uh, Dan Eaton, who's been on the show when we talked about Buckaroo Banzai, um, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he was a locksmith for a while and had to. He was in some kind of similar types of situations and said it was pretty goddamn scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, is this is this a thing that people still do? 
You know, I don't know. I haven't heard one. Well, I've not been in that situation. I know that yeah. we, another mutual friend, and I wouldn't ever use a name in this situation, but um, had a situation where he was um, in. He was in a situation where he could have had his car repossessed from him, and there was the risk he he would go and. Um, park the car in secure places because he didn't want it on public property because he the repo people could get it so that was probably like a little more than a decade ago so at that point they were definitely still doing it i don't know I, i'm not i'm not really aware but i assume banks and uh, whoever owns the loans on stuff like that do have to have a way of reclaiming the property yeah I that just it seems like i don't know so we're gonna send out somebody probably armed to yeah <laughs> It, it, it reeks a little bit of, like, vigilanteism a little bit. <laughs> like, who yeah. are these people that are just... That's your job is to go, you know, grab a car from someone who fell off the grid and isn't paying for it. Like, Right. I don't know. I don't know it's kind of like bounty hunters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Dog the Bounty Hunter was a popular show, and he was a popular individual for a while, but uh, he was also fucking ridiculous. So, <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. If, if anybody's listening yeah. who's a, a bounty hunter, don't come after me, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> they won't unless someone pays them. So. Right. So, yeah. but uh, I don't know. So do you feel like this one, I'm not getting into grades yet, but do, is this one you feel like lived up to kind of the hype that is built around it? Uh, yeah, totally. I think it's... Um, in, in, it's hard to say like what exactly my expectations for this were because it I knew I kind of knew what I was getting into because it just it has the reputation of being a, a cult classic and um, just kind of a bizarre movie and I so I knew that going in and it did not disappoint on any of those levels. Uh, I actually think it was a little bit more of a uh, the, the the pleasant surprises I had is that how funny it was, like the comedy aspects of it work really well. Um, yeah. And the, I think what we were talking about earlier, some of the um, kind of 1980s, um, not parody is not the right word, but the satire of the, of the 80s is, uh, is actually quite done quite well. Like I think it's um, really gets a grasp of kind of Reagan era, paranoia um so yeah it's cool and i i really enjoy the um fact that it used a bunch of uh what would have been considered underground punk rock bands at the time that people have probably all now heard of like black flag circle jerks and um etc on the soundtrack of the film and this thing got major distribution you know so it was a, a big opportunity the circle jerks actually play the band in the movie so um yeah, you nice. can catch them for in in the background. <laughs> well, and Iggy Pop, scene, but Iggy like, Pop wrote the uh, the main theme. Yeah, the main theme. Yep. So you've got like a who's who of of eighties hardcore punk at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, that really stood out to me too is how kind of well that punk scene was shown. Um, mm-hmm. and the the scene after he quits his job and he and he goes to the. I don't know, he's just got, is it, was it a band playing or was he just jumping around into people? I think they were just listening to music. Yeah, I think they were just like listening to music outside of wherever, where they were all hanging out. So like all the, you know, punk kids were hanging out and 
Um, his friend, I don't remember what the character's name is, who's coming back from doing some time, I think, like yeah. somewhere. And, and, and then, yeah. uh, yeah, Otto kind of has a, well, not really a breakup with his girlfriend. He gets up to go take a piss or something, and comes it's back, some and his buddy's in bed with her. It's, uh, it's the dude, it's this, the guy, yeah. his friend. So, uh, yeah. And they basically tell him to get lost, so <laughs> that's kind of where he splits with them. Well, and then they come back later ex- and, like, Sorry, say, he's yeah, not yeah. exactly inviting either. Like, he's laying in bed with her. He just lays back. He's like, all right, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he, he totally deserves, well, I don't know if deserves, but is, maybe that's a little harsh. But, yeah, he's he's not innocent in that situation either. But Right. Um, yeah. Because you could tell, like, Otto is totally over everything that he's doing. Like, he's, he's yeah. not committed anymore like the way the way the hardcores are like the his former friends that are the you know the punkers of this movie they're they're very like they're idiots but they're committed like they're they're big time into you know and Otto from the even from the get-go you could tell he's just looking for something new like he's he's over yeah. it they're, they're so doing... I think that he's like that with his relationship <laughs> he's like that with the yeah yeah they're trying like shitty stick-up jobs and stuff like that <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. So you get caught. the impression like he was probably in, you know, in the petty crime kind of stuff that they're they're up to. He was probably involved in that kind of stuff. Although maybe not because he's a pretty shitty repo man, honestly. For yeah. being the title character of this movie, he's not real great at it. He almost never succeeds in anything that, you know, where we actually see him in this movie. He's always getting his ass kicked and <laughs> like, Yeah. But he's entered into this new kind of exciting world and Yeah. You know, it's it, it's a little bit of a what would it take for an 80s punk rocker to get bored. You know, there's a little bit of a clockwork right. orange thing there too. I mean, if you with the whole the ending of the original book, mm-hmm. you know, with the like, I eh, just kind of over it. But yeah, those I and, and I, I had asked you about you know does this stand up and yeah I think it 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 does, um, but it's mm-hmm. it's a little. Uh, it's not it's not ex- as accessible as I thought it would be. It took me a while to really get into it and kind of get what it was where it was going. And I think that's because I really didn't have an I even an idea about what this was about before watching it. So, I wasn't really sure what I think kind I, of theme it was going into. Yeah, I think I was the most surprised and I already mentioned this, but about the comedy aspect. I don't think I expected this to be Yeah. Well, first of all, an intentional comedy like it's written to be funny um and i was surprised that not only was it that but that it was such a good dark comedy like it was actually you know it was funny there's some great lines especially from some of the um you know characters of tracy walter as miller and this has some you know basically just when he comes out and he's burning all the shit and like he's got some good lines there I need to start writing lines down verbatim because I never remember them. But I know the, um, it's the punk kids crack me up in this. Like, oh, let's go do some crimes, man. Let's yeah, <laughs> um, very and, blatant. Uh, yeah, and after they get a, uh, oh, I don't remember the situation, but I, I remember one of my favorite lines. And I actually did write this down. Was like, they're like, yeah, let's get out of here. Yeah, man, let's go get let's let's uh go get some sushi and not pay. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, like, I don't know. Just some of the like tough guy lines are like the funniest, most ridiculous stuff. Um, uh, Bud, uh, Harry Dean Stanton in this is just always given some sort of a lecture or like, um, and 
Otto starts to get... Towards the end of the film, I think, uh, at first he looks up to Bud a little bit. Um, and then I think he gets he gets to that point again where he is with the punk rock scene. Like, he's just kind of over it. And um, searching... And he's, he's, again, he's still, like, searching for something else. And um, that's when we get really weird because that something else ends up being, like, a trunk full of dead aliens and or neutron bombs right. or, like, yeah. Uh, you know, flying, glowing, flying cars. Um, but yeah, yeah. he's so he, it's just it's just really well written. So well, and you'd mentioned um, uh, Tracy Walter, and uh, you know, he yeah, he has this kind of bizarre philosophical. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the comedy, I don't want to say a lot of the comedy comes from him, but he he adds a whole other layer of comedy to this that I didn't expect just with this kind of bizarre, but he always kind of plays that character. Like it, it, anytime mm-hmm. Tracy Walter shows up, not every time, but um, you know, he always plays this kind of weird philosophical, a little philosophical guy. And uh, it works really well in this as well. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, yeah. He's got a great lot. The line when he's talking about driving, um, Otto's surprised that you know he doesn't drive, being that yeah. he's like the mechanic, and he's like, "No, nah, man, the the more you drive, the less intelligent you are." <laughs> so, like, so yeah. I wonder if that's symbolic to something for the end of this, since they <laughs> zip off together. But, uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, how do you think this one holds up with other kind of films about punk rock culture? because it's that's such a central part of this of the character Uh, it is a it is a bit and i think this one like i said in spirit i think it's it's there the whole time but narratively it's not really about that as much as you know obviously sid and nancy alex cox's uh subsequent film because that's a you know somewhat biographical movie um Suburbia, which I'm not sure if you've seen um, Penelope Spheris' movie, mm-hmm. which is a, a very much about punk rock um, and, and features some bands and stuff. And uh, That one is very much about the lifestyle. Like, that was... Yeah. Basically, she was telling a story about punks in the, in, in the 80s. Um, and that, I think, is a more movie that's about punk yeah. rock as a lifestyle and about the music this is not really about those things but i think it has a very punk rock aesthetic to it and it keeps um i don't know maybe it may just be that you know the use of the music and Otto as a character i think is kind of that you know embodies that kind of outsider mentality always kind of looking for something else and not quite finding it and he's kind of dissatisfied Mm-hmm. with you know the world whatever we get this alternative 80s that we're seeing um yeah and he's he just uh, he doesn't find it from any well i mean at the end we i guess we i think that's what we get at the end is hopefully you know this uh looking for something new flying away in glowing car <laughs> right <laughs> gets, that's his that's his character arc so on to the next thing whatever that may be but yeah but yeah it's it's I feel like it's, you know, Alex Cox has an interest in this, obviously, um, or in, in punk music and in this, in the culture in the eighties. And I think, uh, it does show in this movie, but I don't think this movie is narratively a punk rock movie. No, I, no, I, I, I guess I just mean more in like the aesthetic and their depictions of 
of uh, that kind of lifestyle at the time. But no, I see your point. It's 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 not like SLC Punk, which is you know about yeah, that uh, lifestyle in in the more of the late '80s, early '90s. Um, but yeah, it it's it's used as a backdrop in this case. But I think it works really well with this as a backdrop. I think it, it adds to it quite a lot. Um, not just with, you know, funny lines and characters, but like you said, the the, uh, the film itself, the way it's trying to tell a story, there's, there's like a punk rock undertone to that. You know, mm-hmm. there is kind of a middle finger to, uh, you know, consumerism and to, obviously, to televangelism <clears throat> and conspiracies and yeah it's all kind of all these things are there it's almost like you take elements of punk rock and shake them up in a jar and then put them on this in a weird science fiction story um yeah but not really about the lifestyle right so uh there are some i'm sorry i was gonna talk about like spiritual sequels but I was just going to mention before we, um, we we didn't really run down the cast necessarily, but mm-hmm. Cy Richardson in this movie as Light is also very a very good character. I like his. Uh, it. I'm trying to remember what movie it reminds me of because he does a little bit of a like ride along with each one of these guys at some point. He doesn't mm-hmm. really t- the the boss guy doesn't really um, play into it too much. You get a little bit of him kind of you know being the boss getting into arguments with the with bud or whatever and um but yeah he he gets to spend some time with bud and then with light as well and uh mm-hmm. light is uh also an interesting character and um uh, you know it reminds me of and this is kind of an obscure reference but i just recently resaw the movie it reminds me a little bit of the um martin scorsese movie bringing out the dead with nicholas cage and john goodman and tom sizemore mm-hmm. uh, the ambulance driver i don't know if you saw yeah, that but long time uh, ago he kind of does the same thing as is, is, is Nicolas Cage's character, which I, I think is Frank in that movie. Spends t- does rides with all these different people, and they all bring something very different to the uh, to the situation. And I think that's kind of what you get with Bud and Light here. Uh, mm-hmm. Bud's very intense. Bud preaches basically, uh, you know. And Light is a lot more laid back. He wants to talk to Otto about other stuff, about music, and about you know, yeah. So. But he also is the guy that pulls, you know, a gun out and starts shooting at people, even though it's yeah. loaded with blanks. But uh, do you think there's any symbolism <laughs> that these two characters that he's getting information from names collectively are Bud Light? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> we can go down that rabbit hole, but who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. I I noticed that about that character. Like he's he's talking to him about just real day to day stuff, and then is this incredibly violent? You know, kind of yeah. He seems like very laid back. You know, he's got the kind of has the the disco music or whatever is. You know, he's into funk disco stuff going on the radio and yeah, he's just kind of shooting the shit like not in a way that like us. Yeah, buds, buds talking shop all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. here's how you get better at this. Here's how you do that. Here's how you become you know the next great repo man. And and lights not into it so. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, visual effects in this one, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, you've, yeah, you've got not the, much, but yeah, there's there's a few. There are some special effects uh, in terms of not just the glowing car, but the vaporizing and glowing uh, trunk and yeah, yeah, blowing people up. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're not even really blowing people up. Just like yeah, 
yeah, kind of vapor vaporizing them. Yeah, and it's not terrible. I mean, it, it's it's dated, but and the whole flying it works for what it is. And the fine. fact that there's not really a lot of special effects, yeah, make it work fine. The the car flying, I mean, could it be done better now? Yeah, but does it work? Sure. I mean, it's not. It's yeah. fine. It's um, there's nothing jarring or um, you know, it's not like you see strings or anything like that. It's, yeah. It, it works fine. So. But yeah, apparently but yeah. Um, there there are some additions to this. There's an unproduced script to mm-hmm. a sequel called Waldo's Hawaiian Holiday, um, which was then turned into a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah uh, it looks that, like it came out in... Oh, 2008. I, I thought I had it here. Yeah, like much later is what I was going for. Is like it was after this had kind of like lived its life and become this much beloved cult cult classic so and then there was a sequel called repo chick that was supposed to come out um but i don't think it ever did did it you know i don't know it according to wikipedia is which is the first place that i heard of this was is that um alex cox released a, a it's a short film um sequel to the movie that he shot yeah yeah it did come out but it's um yeah it's i don't think it's it's 88 minutes so it's not a terribly long no that's that's a it's but it's not a short it's a feature so yeah uh not one that i've seen but definitely one that i would go check out called repo chick is the uh name of the sequel so um and is made written and directed by alex cox so it's a you know same filmmaker and yeah, yeah. He refers to that as uh, his micro features. He did a couple of those, apparently. Yeah, and I think what he means by that, according to what I read, is that he shot most of them in his own studio in front of a green screen. So, yeah. kind of pulled like a Robert Rodriguez type situation there. But yeah, yeah. shooting well, movies that's in one the that basement I would kind of thing. Have so. to have to uh, check out and and see how it. It's like I think it's more of a spiritual sequel. I don't think it's a direct mm. sequel, um, but yeah, I think it it has a uh, some kind of a, a thematic connection, I guess, other than just being about people in the repossession business. But uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, otherwise, do we want to get into um, final thoughts and grades for Repo Man. Yeah, it's as interesting of a movie as this is and how many like kind of curveballs and just in, like weird it's like you said it's a weird movie um i don't have a whole lot more to say about it other than like i mean we could go through and tell you every little like twist and turn well you know if i remembered everyone because i feel like uh-huh. there's a lot of just weird weird stuff and like like we said we, we we talked a little bit about like the um government agents and the kind of alien plot but the reason we didn't talk about it a lot is because you're not given a lot of details yeah, really, really. it's just kind of it's there and it's happening uh it really keeps its focus on auto auto and his uh, auto anyway uh his uh kind of journey into this world and it yeah everything else is kind of on the sidelines and it does not give you a whole lot of details about stuff so i i definitely think it's something you you will understand better if you've not seen it you know check it out and uh you'll get where we're coming from and maybe mm-hmm. why there's not a yeah a lot more detail there but 
Um, but I do like the twists and turns that it takes all over the place, and the fact that it uses, like, um, that I found really impressive about it is that it uses kind of word of mouth to affect the narrative. Like like I said, you're not really sure what's going on. Even at the end of the movie, you could you could go back and say, well, I believe this, this person that told us what it was, and it's like, well, no, there was this other explanation <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah so you get the you get the whole nar- alien narrative thing and if i remember correctly the other explanation about the neutron bomb and, and um came from the scientist from parnell mm-hmm. or whatever his name was so i i'm inclined to believe that one but you are you know who knows it's like because <laughs> you are definitely given that whole alien area 51 thing as a legit explanation in the second act so so yeah <laughs> anyway so it leaves you wondering it's uh it's cool so i i'll just i mean i could just roll right into grading it it's um it's peculiar it's uh unique one of a kind movie i like your comparison to uh buckaroo bonsai because although it's not really like that movie it's like that movie and the fact that you'll never see anything exactly like this i don't think it's uh-huh. it's interesting um it's a bit of a like urban drama with a <laughs> <laughs> you know a, a heavy dose of black comedy and a weird amount of like sci-fi stuff that's kind of in there you know just uh existing um whole lot of 80s in here too though it's uh yeah it's uh, lots of good lines fun characters i think even like the some of the small characters like we've been talking about miller and light and uh, we didn't get it get into marlene she's she doesn't even have a lot of lines but i feel like she's the yeah uh, like secretary at the office i think feel like she's a memorable character as well so um yeah it's uh it has a little bit of trouble if i have to critique like make a critique i feel like it has a little bit of trouble filling up all 90 of its minutes which is not a long movie necessarily and and um i feel like it could have been a little shorter even uh Mm -hmm. than it was but um yeah that that's that's not a, a a big critique i just feel like uh perhaps it it could have been trimmed down a little bit more but um this is definitely, I feel like, worthy of its cult classic status. And I'm going to give this one a B plus. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it is a quirky movie that I think is kind of one of a kind. And that's where it uh, it earns that. It's only getting knocked down a few points because of its... Uh, yeah, I just don't feel like we... we I don't, so There's a couple little subplot things that maybe we didn't need there. But, yeah. Um, I'm going to be pretty close uh, to you on that one, I think. Uh yeah, very strange film, but in a time when people were just, I don't know, this type of strange film. I guess that when I make the Buckaroo Banzai comparison is the the way that they're introducing this kind of strange world reminded me a lot of it. And maybe it was because of the age of the film, uh, but even the way that kind of the dialogue works. And I, I liked your the way you described that. It's very much of a, the story unveils very word of mouth. And... Mm-hmm there's aspects of buckaroo i feel like that do that too um i like the open-endedness of the story where you're really not sure what the hell is going on you're you're really along with otto in the entire movie it's it kind of like you know romero's is given a lot of credit in night of the living dead for doing this kind of faux documentary style this is kind of like that in some ways um there's not a lot of big exposition dumps or anything like that you you know about as much as he does uh and that ties you into the character quite a lot and yeah the the characters in this like you mentioned even the minor ones are a lot of fun um 
I had a little bit of a hard time getting into it because I wasn't sure what type of strange, but maybe I should have just taken a cue from the movie and don't look in the trunk, just go along with it. Um, which <laughs> I, I almost feel like is kind of the, the moral of the story is don't don't look in the trunk, just go. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to actually give this one a B. I think it's, it's worthy of its uh, status, and I think it definitely has some rewatchability too. So I uh, highly yeah. recommend checking out repo man and if any of our listeners have heard repo or have watched repo man uh (laughs) or have seen the sequel or have read the uh graphic novel unproduced sequel uh we would love to hear your thoughts and you can share any of those questions comments criticisms or witticisms with the video junkier podcast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at video junk pod and find us on facebook at the main video junkier uh podcast page if you write it we'll read it and we look forward to hearing from you and uh, if you like what you hear, uh, we'd invite you to head over to patreon.com slash podcast and give a small donation to help us money? produce the show. Anything we do collect through Patreon does go directly back into producing the show. Um, and there's some nice perks that you can get for your donation, including the ability to vote on what movies we watch uh, for the podcast or um, receive uh, links to exclusive content that are for scri- subscribers only. So... Uh, more and more of that becoming available all the time, and uh, we would love to have you as part of the Video Junkyard family. Uh, would like to give a huge thank you to our um, Video Junkyard podcast subscribers, Scott Stewart and Tony Rodriguez. Thank you very much, guys. And, uh, yeah, if you would like to become a member of the family, head over to uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. Check it out. Uh, coming up on the show, we have the last of our... Uh, audience picks for the month of july and we are going to be watching in bruges uh then we're going to be following that up with a couple of kevin smith movies we're going to watch dogma and chasing amy so uh gonna take a time capsule back to the 90s here and uh check out some of the earlier work of uh kevin smith so absolutely and we hope that you've enjoyed your time with us in the video junkyard podcast and if so that you'll Please share it around and join us for future episodes. And until then, this is Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric Branson saying... The more you drive, the less intelligent you are. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash videojunkyardpodcast on Twitter at videojunkpod and on Instagram as videojunkyardpodcast all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs>